And it's like deprogramming somebody that has been in the cults. Cults are very controlling. They seek to control every area of life. They operate, of course, on the basis of guilt to make people to be obedient to their religion. They dictate social life. They even control the home, the inner circle, the people that you fellowship with, your diet, your dress. So many things are controlled by the cult. And then, of course, they want to prevent exposure to other influences so that you are locked in. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I want to sincerely thank you for joining with us on the program here today, and I trust the Lord will continue to bless and continue to work within our hearts and lead us into true, simple, yet glorious faith in our Lord Jesus. The book of Hebrews, well, what a great blessing it has been to minister through this book of the Bible. I cannot say in an exhaustive way. I have not gone through every word, every statement, every verse, but the highlights and the great issues concerning Christian living and the gospel. Oh, what a wonderful exposition this is of the death of the Lord Jesus as the book of Hebrews parallels and contrasts the Old Testament sacrifice system with the death of the Lord Jesus upon the cross of Calvary. And of course, the Old Testament sacrificial system was symbolic of Jesus' death. It had no power. The blood of animals and beasts had no power to take away sins, but only in that they pointed to Jesus, and he was the real priest and the real sacrifice upon the cross. And at Calvary, the Lord Jesus fulfilled both those parts. He was the offering and the offerer, because we read here that he offered up himself upon that cross. And all of this was the purpose and plan of God. He is described here in Hebrews 13, verse 20, as the God of peace, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. What a great doxology at the end of this uh, treatment of the gospel in the book of Hebrews. I trust that this will be written on your heart, and as we go to our pulpit ministry today, that the Lord will write this upon your heart and bless you. At the close of the program, we'll have another segment on Don't Miss the Cross. As we come up to the Easter season and think of our Lord's death upon that cruel tree, let us study, reflect, and meditate upon what our Lord Jesus was accomplishing there on that cross. So stay tuned with us right through our program today. We'll give you all the announcements at the end, but now stay tuned as we let the Bible speak. Sheep 
that are worried are not very pleasant. Sheep that are attacked by dogs and uh, on the defensive, well, they don't do well. They're unmanageable. They don't feed properly. They don't rest. They just feel they lose their shine. And you'll see that in the church of the Lord Jesus, that the pastoral work is to be done with joy, to see the prosperity, the blessing, and the encouragement of God's people. We must also give account. In that verse 17, it says, for their souls as they that must give account. We're just under shepherds. We give account to the great shepherd, and our work is to truly care for the people, not partially, not with partiality, not with uh, some uh, lording influence, but rather with love and care for the sheep. We're also to do so by example. You'll notice there um, in the verse 17, they that do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Now, that is the leadership, the pastor, the eldership of the church. Uh, they walk honestly, and they minister to the flock by example. And that is the greatest ministry of all. It's not what we say, it's what we do. It's not just our words, it's our walk, our life example that counts as we seek to be uh, God's minister to his people. And then in verse 19, you'll notice that we do so as personally present. The apostle said, but I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. And that's why this, he had to write this letter, because he was not present. There was a distance and time between the people and the pastor. And so his prayer, and he asked the people to pray for this, that he might be restored to them sooner. And so the pastor should be in the midst. He should be walking in the fellowship of the congregation. And in doing that, he becomes an encouragement to the people. Now, in the book of Jeremiah 3, verse 15, we have that promised, I will give you shepherds or, or pastors after my own heart. And we need to pray that today in the Lord's church, God will raise up men and pastors and elders who will truly care for the flock. You remember how the Lord Jesus in Matthew 9, when he saw the, the people as sheep scattered without a shepherd, that he was filled with compassion for those sheep. And we wonder in Canada, as the Lord looks upon the cities and the towns of this country, and there are people without a pastor, without a, a shepherd, without the gospel, then the Lord surely has great compassion. And we need to pray that God will send men and raise up churches where Christians will be shepherded and guided into the truth and the fellowship of God's church.
Now, let's move to verse 20, and here we have God's care through the great shepherd. Now, this is a benediction. It's also a prayer. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect. Now, this text is effectively the close of the whole book, and therefore you have an amen at the end of verse 21, and you have this great prayer or benediction at the end. Now, remarkably, you will see how the author here refers to God as the God of peace. What a great title. What a great God we serve and worship. He's the God of peace. That's his nature, and that is his will for his people. He purchased peace by the blood of Jesus, and he gives peace to every one of his people. And you'll notice that that peace is guaranteed to us through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now, think Jewish for a moment. Think of what these words would mean to people who grew up in Judaism, who watched animal sacrifices, who watched priests do their work, and to be reminded here that in the New Testament church that they were bought, sealed, redeemed, and cared for through the blood of the ever lasting covenant. These people were not losing by leaving Judaism, but rather they were gaining, and gaining so much. Now, he goes on to say here in verse 21, make you perfect. He outlines who this God is. He's the God of peace. He's the God who raised up Christ from the dead, and who through the blood of the everlasting covenant makes us perfect. Now, this verse 21, you can write over perseverance of the saints, this wonderful doctrine of security, that when you are in Christ saved today, you are saved for all eternity. The believer is not left alone. It is not salvation by divine power, and then we move on to live by human power. New believers need to know that. And these Jewish converts to Judaism certainly needed to know that, because they, they felt awkward. They felt out of place. They lost the sounds, the sights of the religion of their heritage. And people are not called to give up their nationality to be a Christian. If you're German, Dutch, British, American, whatever your nationality is, you're not asked to give it up to be a Christian. But in Judaism, it was their heritage. It was their national identity. It was their culture, the very food they ate, the very details of their lives were dictated by Judaism. And of course, many of them that were man-made commandments that were add-on, layer upon layer upon those things. And they were very often 
needed to be stripped from those things as well. And so for a New Testament Christian to be given a word of assurance like this, that this God of peace who raised up Christ from the dead, who through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect, equip you. That's what this word perfect means here. Does not mean perfect sanctification. Does not mean sinlessness, but that he will equip you in every good work, every good work, to do his will. And you'll see how that's done. Working in you, working in you. That's the Christian's life. It's the grace of God. It is God by his Spirit. It's God by his direct power working in you. You are not a completed product. You are a work in progress. You are being sanctified more and more. You are being delivered from the things of this world to the things of God more and more. And he, God, is continually working in each of our lives. That's the great doctrine of perseverance of the saints. Now, I could give you many wonderful texts. Philippians 1, 6, he that had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that ties right in to this truth of the blood of the everlasting covenant. Here's one I'd ask you to look up. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 12. Philippians 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Ah, uh, if the apostles stop there, where would that leave us? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Without the cross? Without the blood? Without the Holy Spirit? No. No, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13 goes on to say, For, because, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. That's why we pray to know God's will. That's why we ask God to lead us as a shepherd leads the sheep. We are always in need of the shepherd's care. And again, this is a great statement to a Jewish mind because the word shepherd comes up so often. Moses was called a shepherd. He was the shepherd to Israel. Cyrus was a shepherd, although he was not a Jewish man, but he was used of God to direct the people back to Jerusalem. And of course, many of the prophets were referred to as shepherds. And so people with a Jewish mind, when they were to hear that Jesus is the great shepherd who is working in us the will of God, just as the shepherd leading the sheep to the pasture by day, safely back to the fold at night, you can see the comfort, the ministry of care that that would bring to these people. And we must draw from this. Now, I have been hammering and propounding the issue of the Jewish mindset, the Hebrews, to whom this letter was written. But that letter is also written for us. Let us not lose the application to our own hearts. 
because it's written for our security, our assurance that when we are in Christ, we are sealed by this blood of the everlasting covenant. And here is the best ministry for the Lord's redeemed people in the local church, in the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And you can put that little lamb into the flock of the church so it will be fed and nurtured. And that lamb will learn of the great shepherd, what comfort and assurance that brings to the heart. And so let us look for the Lord to be at work in his church. That's why God has ordained and instituted the ministry of the local church. That's why we need the preaching of the word. That's why we need prayer. We need prayer meetings where God's people call on God fervently and where the saints are encouraged in the things of the Lord. And our Savior is all-sufficient, sufficient for the needs of each and every day. And we have this assurance that the Lord will be with us. Well, it says here, forever and ever, to whom be glory forever and ever. And the Lord perfects, he equips us for that great day. Now, thinking about the perseverance of the saints, I came across these two very good quotes by Mr. Spurgeon. And he says, I think few doctrines more vital than that of the perseverance of the saints. For if ever one child of God did perish, or if I knew it were possible that one could, I should conclude at once that I must. And I suppose each of you would do the same. And then there is, where is the joy and happiness of the gospel? And the final quote, if anybody could possibly convince me that final perseverance is not a truth of the Bible, I should never preach again. It would be a lost message because you could be saved now, lost tomorrow. Saved this minute, lost the next minute. You could sin once and lose your soul. And perseverance of the saints is one of those precious doctrines that we must rejoice in. And what a marvelous thing at the close of this book of Hebrews that you have this great emphasis that there is personal security in the Lord Jesus. And if you're redeemed tonight by the blood, if you're saved by grace, you are sure of heaven. Not a doubt. Don't let the devil rob you of that blessed assurance that it is well with your soul and that you will see the king and join with him in the land of glory.
the Bible Speak. Thank you for joining with us. And we're coming to our final segment on the cross of Calvary. I hope you can tell that the cross is my boast. It is my delight. And at this Easter season, the joy of preaching the cross fills my heart. May it be a blessing to you today. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Thank you for continuing with us here on our program. And we come to this segment on Don't Miss the Cross. You will miss the cross if you fail to grasp the Lord's cry of forsakenness. Yes, while on the cross for those hours of suffering, the Lord Jesus cried out these words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is what Professor John Murray has called the most solemn spectacle in all history, a spectacle unparalleled, unique, unrepeated, and unrepeatable and the sight of the most mysterious utterance that ever ascended from earth to heaven. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Consider it. God forsaking his own Son, the Son with whom he had eternal bliss and communion, the Son whom God called the darling of his bosom, the Son of his own heart, and his own essential nature, his only begotten Son, whom he loved with an eternal love. God turned away his smiling face and turned his back. Darkness fell around the sight of Calvary during those hours, because the sword of God's wrath fell upon our Lord Jesus. During those hours he was made sin for us. He was a mass of sin. All the sins of his people, whom he would ever save, were kneeled to him, and in God's sight he was unholy, unlovely, and undesirable. Yes, your sins and mine were pressed upon the body of Jesus also. We know that sin separates from God, and the wages of sin is death. Therefore God in wrath smote his Son, with the curse of our sin. It was the agony of one made to feel the curse, the shame, even the hell of our sins. At that hour, Jesus was God in our nature, forsaken of God. That is a mystery to us, but the clearly revealed message of the cross so, don't miss this fact that Jesus was forsaken by his Father for a time, enough time to endure our hell. And being an eternal person, Jesus could endure immediately what we could never render eternally. In a solemn and serious way, we have this good news for sinners. God laid the sins of his people upon his Son, and because of his forsakenness. We have acceptance with God. Jesus became a curse for us, so we would know no curse. Jesus died as the Prince of Peace to make peace for us. While upon that cross, he was punished until he succumbed to death with the direct purpose 
of tasting death for men and drinking the cup of God's wrath empty. Do you get it? If you reject the fact that God forsook the Lord Jesus for your sins, you miss the cross. You're blind to the greatest wonder of all human history. God, the Creator, suffered in a prepared human body to save us from our sins. Long ago I saw my Savior bearing shame upon a tree. Then my heart was touched with sorrow, for I saw he bled for me. It is finished, loud he cried. Oh, what love for me he died. In my stead he bled on Calvary. Once for all, Christ rescued me. Lo, the sky was veiled in darkness. Sudden trembling shook the ground. As the angry crowd was jeering, mocking Jesus all around. Then my Savior called to heaven, as I saw his love anew. O my Father, please forgive them, for they know not what they do. Free salvation now he offers. Take his gift, O hear his plea. On the bloody cross behold him. Join his shout of victory. It is finished, loud he cried. Oh, what love for me he died. In my stead he bled on Calvary. Once for all, Christ rescued me. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on this station as we let the Bible speak.